welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Upstairs in Big Church, you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. We will also look in our Bibles at the book of Job, Job chapter 1. And in that book of Job, we're going to look, because many of us wonder, when natural disaster happens, when unfortunate things occur, we want to know why. Why would God allow this to happen? Why do good things, or why do bad things happen to good people? Why would churches that teach and believe and preach the Bible sing to the Lord, getting ready for Christmas, why all of a sudden would they be wiped out? And that's a valid question, and the answer is found in Scripture. And the Bible's going to tell us that. But Mary here, in Luke chapter 2, she's dealing with somewhat of the same problem. Because she's about to have a baby. It's been an unexpected birth. And she's traveling south from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And she's wanting to get some type of lodging, whether with family, a motel, um, whatever it would be, and there's just there's no guest rooms, there's no av- available rooms for, to rent. I mean, it's just, it's just difficult times for them with that. <clears throat> I, that reminds me, several years ago, um, we went to Disney World, and Disney World has the same problems with lodging. If there's a lot going on in Orlando around the first of the year, it's packed. And we were going down there, and we were having a hard time finding... A, a room, and Sherry, what was the name of the hotel? We don't even know the name of it. Oh, you do know. Roadway Inn. Have anybody here stayed at the Roadway Inn? You know how they rank hotels from one to, what, five stars? That might be more on that where I, the first number I gave there. It would rank towards that, but, and that was because we felt like Mary and Joseph, where there's just, there wasn't a lot of available places, and you, you, sometimes you get what you get, and don't pitch a fit, and but not everybody didn't pitch a fit, but we were there, we were there at Roadway Inn, and that's probably how Mary and Joseph felt right here in um, Luke chapter 2. So I want you to follow along in your Bibles. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Why are we doing this registration? That's an easy question. We collect taxes. This is what the governments do. They need to know how many people there are, how much money they make so they can take from them. That's still, nothing's changed with that in the world. So what happens is you have to go back to your hometown, your ancestral city. Joseph came from the house of David. He was from that lineage. So he would go there and register in Bethlehem. That's why they're traveling south. And Probably Jesus, if we had to guess, I think he maybe came early. Because you knew if Mary, she's riding a donkey to Bethlehem, you know, that's their transportation back then. She probably knew, it might be month eight, but I've got a little time. We'll go down there, sign the paperwork, tell us how much money we make so they can take from us and then head back home. They thought it was going to be a quick, you know, quick weekend trip, but it did not turn out that way whatsoever. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line 
of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, so all of a sudden it just happened. You know, when you're expecting a baby, even though the doctor might give you a date, that doesn't always mean it's going to come, the baby, on that date. God knows when the baby comes. And then, um, so, sure enough, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. It, it says firstborn because Jesus was the firstborn of Mary. Also, we know Jesus probably had, or he did have, other brothers and sisters. So Mary was not, did not only give birth to Jesus. James was someone else we know who was Jesus' brother. But there were multiple Jameses in the Bible. So she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There was no room in the inn. It was packed. And there are several reasons we might believe that we always say Mary and Joseph, they couldn't find any lodging because it was very crowded because of the census. Everybody was going to Bethlehem. But another possible reason could have been Mary and Joseph. Remember, even though we knew that God is the Father of Jesus, back in Bible times, they would have seen a lot of the folks there in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, she got pregnant out of wedlock. And Joseph is engaged to her She's eight, nine months pregnant, and there was probably some shame involved. And some of the families, they knew Joseph and Mary weren't married. They knew they were expecting a baby, so they uh, probably said uh, they, just, they didn't want to deal with them. They just said uh, they, they were kind of cast aside somewhat. They were rejected possibly among their family. And that's why the guest room wasn't available. Now, we, we do not know this. This is a question, the real reason, we'll find out when we get to heaven. It could have been, it could have been packed, it could have been, they were, shame, they were shaming Mary and Joseph. But whatever the reason, God used these unique circumstances that jo Jesus had a very lowly birth. Not in a hospital, he was born in a feeding trough, right there with the animals on the backside of a barn or the backside of a house where folks kept, um, where they kept their animals. Here in your bulletin here, we see this unexpected event that occurs. And I want us to understand Mary's response because we never once see Mary complain or Joseph gripe about these circumstances. When unexpected, unforeseen things occur for us, it's very easy for, for us to... Um, we complain about it. There's folks right now in Mayfield, I promise, they are angry at God. They are dealing with extreme loss. An event occurred two days ago, not even 48 hours ago, that changed the trajectory of their life and their church life there at Mayfield Baptist Church forever. They will never forget this that night. Possibly worst, most dangerous tornado ever in our Commonwealth's history. But look what happened to Mary. It says here, she was willing to travel to Bethlehem despite the inopportune time. 
do you know Christmas time is probably the busiest time in, in our life? I mean, you have events, you have parties, there's lots of extra church events. And it's easy for us to say, oh, I'll do that later, or I don't have time for that. We'll get, get that at another time. Mary did not make at an inopportune time for her when she's about to have a baby, she did not make an excuse. She went with her husband, or soon-to-be husband, to Bethlehem to register. She probably thought, we'll just spend one night there, do the paperwork, and hit the road and go back home. One night, quick turnaround. That's probably what she was thinking. But she was willing to go. Part of our Christian life, part of the Lord working through this, is not leaning and using excuses throughout everything. You could think of any excuse not to come to church this morning. And it would even look good. And it would appear to other people why you can't go. And God is not looking for us to go about our lives making excuses because the timing isn't right. Mary and Joseph, they, they did what they were supposed to do. Number two, while they did this, they did not complain. Joseph did not gripe. We gripe and complain about taxes, and taxes are going up. They're not getting better. They're about to go way up. And that's something throughout our life we will always, that's a guaranteed thing that will happen. You're going to pay taxes, and you're going to stand before God, and you're going to die. Those three things will occur in your life. And it's, we, we do not see. Now, Mary and Joseph, they could have secretly complained on their donkey going down there, but there is no record in the Bible that they were griping and complaining about doing this. When, when unforeseen circumstances and things that do not go our way happen, folks, we have to have a heart check and say, am I complaining about this? Do you know, anytime you want to implement change, all you have to do is you just talk about it months or years in advance and prepare people mentally for it. Because when there's a sudden change, people resist it. But if you learn steps, this is coming, get ready, prepare yourself, it's coming down the road. That's one of the difficult things about COVID. Nearly two years ago, it was a sudden change. You were forced to change. No, no options. You're going to do it or else. We're not used to that. But there are times in our life we have to deal with that. The tornadoes is a perfect example. When bad things happen, you, you, um, you, have, to, um, you have to make adjustments. I'll give you a perfect example. Sherry and I drive uh, cars that ha have a tendency to break down. And Monday I was driving the kids to school, and the steering wheel would not turn. You're not going to drive a car if you don't have any power steering fluid, and the power steering pump goes out. It's just not going to happen. Like that, Your day's over right there. I was amazingly able to get it to the shop, and when, they, when, when you drop your car off at a shop, you're at their mercy. They tell you it's going to be ready at 5 o'clock. You show up, it's not ready. Say, so it's more extensive than we thought. And then you get one more day of walking. I mean, it's just how it goes. There's times in our life, things occur where we are forced against what we had planned on doing. Monday was a total change for me. It went from driving to walking. Number three here, 
What happens to Mary when she expects the unexpected? She treasured Jesus' unique birth. The Bible says that Mary treasured these things that occurred. She wasn't one that just griped about it. She understood this is the Lord. The, the Lord is doing this. And she went along with it just as God planned. We think about natural disasters or unforeseen circumstances. Think about this. I, I wanted to include this because based on what happened two nights ago. You know, we have to remember, the world is a fallen world. What occurred in the Garden of Eden changed everything. You all know this. We live in, we live in sin. People let you down. Bad things happen. This is not the Garden of Eden anymore. It's gone. The Bible says that they were driven. Adam and Eve were actually driven out of the Garden of Eden. You know, probably they used a whirlwind, some type of God used the elements to drive them out of the Garden of Eden. So they were basically blown out of the Garden. But what we have to remember here is the Bible says that when man, when Adam and Eve, when us, when we fell into sin and the world is cursed, that impacts us and nature. Our, our climate, natural disaster, is even a result of the fallenness of what occurred in the Garden of Eden. We don't live in a perfect environment. We don't live in Florida. Florida is that perfect environment, especially South Florida, where you just have wonderful weather probably 11, 12 months out of the year. Maybe not January so much, but close to it. Our nation, our weather, our people, we are under the curse of sin. So you look at the, how does God use natural disasters throughout the Bible. Think about it. The days of Noah. The Bible says there was wickedness all over the world. Everywhere. Man just had evil intent. Everything he could think of was wicked. What happened? They're in a boat, and God floods the earth. God sent that flood. God killed those people who were not on the boat. The whole world died but eight people during that time. God used a natural disaster flood to accomplish His purpose. Think about the plagues in Egypt. In Egypt there, the Israelites were in slavery. They were in bondage. And God raised up Moses, but Pharaoh wasn't going to let them go. So he sent ten plagues. And they were all natural disaster plagues. He used unique circumstances to basically break Pharaoh to show, I am the Lord. Pharaoh, you're not the Lord. I control the weather. I control everything. And if I want my people released, watch how I'm going to do it. And a million and a half people were freed from slavery and went through the Red Sea. Which again, parting of the Red Sea, that's not natural. God did that. We see the Lord using nature 
using disaster to accomplish his purpose. Now, I want you to flip over in your Bible to the book of Job because I think this, this illustrates more than anything about a righteous man who dealt with loss and how he responded to loss. Because we see how he responds, how Mary responds in Luke chapter 2 are examples for us when we have unforeseen setbacks in our life. The Bible says that Job here, in Job chapter 1, he was a righteous man. He had seven sons and three daughters, ten children. And he loved the Lord. He raised his children in the Lord. God had blessed him with thousands and thousands of different types of livestock and animals. He had extreme wealth. And he's about to lose everything. The Bible says that Satan came to God and asked about Job. And the Lord spoke very highly of Job. And then Satan gave the reason and says, the only reason he serves you, and we all know God, is because you have blessed him. And look what happens in verse 6. One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. The sons of God, that's a reference to angels. The sons of God. This is a heavenly conversation. Remember who the Satan is. The Bible calls Satan Lucifer. The KJV version does. Satan is a fallen angel. What's unusual about this is how the devil has access even to God. Somehow he was even able to go in with all the other angels and appear right there before the Lord. That's, that's difficult for us to understand. We might not, that's another one of those questions we have to ask God in heaven. The devil's been kicked out of heaven, yet in this example here, he went and presented himself with the other angels to the God. Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, notice, notice when someone's out of place, right off, God recognizes that. We've got all these angels, but there's one. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I see it. You don't belong here. God looks at him, Lucifer, and says, where, where have you come from? Like, this, this isn't for you. You might be here, but you don't belong here. Do you know Jesus picked up a story, told a story, a parable about this. He says there's going to be a great banquet in heaven. And all sorts of people are going to be invited. But when you come to the banquet, he said there's going to be this one guy, he showed up, and he didn't dress to present himself with the, like you should for the king. If you're going to go to a nice event, you want to look nice. Now, a lot of young people still don't understand that today, but that's what you're supposed to do. When you go somewhere nice, you dress up nice. You come to, anyway, you, you know, I was about to talk about come to church. <clears throat> you all know, I was raised on Sunday best. You know, you dress, that's what you do. I mean, you, you honor the Lord with your best. Jesus tells us in this story that this, this man's going to come and he's going to appear at the banquet and the Lord's going to look at him, the king, the owner of the banquet, saying, what, why are you dressed this way? You aren't prepared. You didn't come to present yourself, and he's going to get cast out. Now, that story is not saying you need to dress up how you dress 
to appear rightly before God. That was a story saying, there's going to be people who appear before God at heaven, and they are going to confidently think they're saved. They're going to think they belong there. And the Lord is going to say, no, you don't belong here. And He was telling that story because the Pharisees felt they belonged in heaven, but they had rejected Jesus as the Messiah. For us today, in 2021, there's going to be people who claim to be saved, who think they're saved, but Jesus Christ is not the Lord of their life. They do not live for the Lord. He has not saved them. They do not live according to this book. And there's going to be a great misunderstanding when they stand before the Lord. And the Bible uses the analogy saying you're not dressed properly. But the real teaching there is you don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah. So God or, Jesus, or the Lord there recognizes here is this one angel, the Satan, Lucifer, the fallen one as the Bible calls him. And he has slipped in with all the others. And he doesn't belong. Keep going here in your Bible. I'm in Job chapter 1. This is about natural disasters. Unexpected times. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him. A man of perfect integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. That's what God looks for us. We have a love for the Lord, we fear the Lord, and we turn away from evil. We Men and women of integrity. Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? You know, that's a question for us today. There's always an incentive. Let me ask, why, why are you here? Why are you here this morning? The devil's asking that question. Are you here to meet a boyfriend, a girlfriend? Are you here to be seen? Are you just here on your way to eat afterwards? Why, why are we here? Do you fear God for nothing? There always is that incentive. There's always a hook. There's always a reason for that. It's like there's a salesman type uh, desire that's going to, I'm going to, I'm going to present this to you because it meets your longing, what you really want. Do you fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, says the devil, his household and everything he owns? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But you stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Notice who's in charge here. The devil is asking for a natural disaster to occur on Job. He says the only reason this has occurred is the only reason this man loves you is because you've given him everything he wants. The devil is presenting Job as a wealthy man and because of his great wealth, of course he fears you. You give people anything they want, they'll do it. But the devil is asking for a natural disaster. Could the devil have asked for a natural disaster on the people of Mayfield two nights ago? Could the devil be wanting to, to, for something bad to happen in your life 
to show you, you're, 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 not, you're in this for something else. I'm a, the, it's a test. This is a test what we're seeing here. Is Job going to pass? Verse 12. God says, Very well, the Lord told Satan. Everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. So now the devil is about to do this. He's about to strike. Oh, but it was under God's authority. Only was he, only the Lord allowed this to happen when he said, Very well. And it goes on to say here, One day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking, I love the phrase one day because it might not have been the next day, natural disaster strikes, tough times, difficult circumstances occur one day. It's not on our timing. It's not when we think it needs to occur. When your car breaks down, it breaks down. When a tornado comes, it just rolls through. When a heart attack happens, it happens. It's just going to happen. There's no planning for it. One day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's home, a messenger came to Job and reported, while the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing nearby, the Sabines swooped down and took them away. So raiders, they struck down the servants with a sword, and I alone have escaped to taste. So this other people group just came and killed all their animals, and the servants as well. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, God's fire fell from heaven. It burned the sheep and the servants and devoured them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Notice it says God's fire, but it says the Lord, the Lord allowed Satan to do this. So probably this is the devil bringing down fire somehow from heaven to des destroy all of these people and the sheep. That messenger was still speaking when yet another came and reported, the Chaldeans formed three bands, made a raid on the camels, and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone escaped to tell you. So about more of your servants, all your workers have died. All your livestock have died. Raiders, fire from heaven, just tragic things have are occurring. And look at this. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and reported, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. They were all together, all ten of them. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people so that they died. And I alone have escaped. All your kids are dead. Just like that. The building collapsed. The roof came in and they're dead. That could happen to us. It could happen to you. It happened to Job. It happened two nights ago in Mayfield at the candle factory. Those people clocked in at work having no idea. Many of them, that would be their last day on earth. Just another day and they heard some storms are coming. Then Job stood up, it says. This is a natural disaster. He stood up. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. He fell to the ground and he worshipped, folks. He worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked I will leave this life. Dude, this is one of my favorite Bible verses. What we're about to say. The Lord giveth. That's what it says in the KJV. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. 
Everything you have, everything I have, who's it come from? Folks, it comes from God. God gives, and what does God also do? He takes it away. God gave us life when we were born. We were created in our mother's womb. God took, takes it away when we end. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There is a beginning and there is an end to everything. Only the Word of God, only heaven is eternal. Even our life, if we want eternal life, folks, it only comes from God. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Folks, what the Bible's telling us, you're here this morning. We looked at the example of Mary. We look at the example of Job. Both of these people had unforeseen circumstances. Now Mary, she didn't deal with this tragic loss. She dealt with the most unique birth in the world's history. In an un, untimely birth, in an odd location, in a feeding trough, in the manger. But she praised the Lord. She even wrote a song about it later on. It's called Mary's Song. She was thankful for what God did in her life. Job lost everything, literally everything he had. The wealthiest man on earth went to the poorest man on earth in a matter of seconds. I mean, once one messenger was done speaking, the next one comes in to report bad news. That was bad news, bad news, bad news, and more bad news. Everybody's gone. Even the poor man's wife turned against him. He could not catch a break. He couldn't find any relief. And it says in verse 22 of this, throughout all of this, Job did not sin, or don't miss this, don't miss this, folks, or blame God for anything. Folks, it is a sin for us to blame God. God holds our life together. We are in a sinful, fallen world. The reason why Jesus had to come is because of tornadoes, is because of death, because of wickedness. All of these things are a result of sin. We need Christmas. We need the baby born in a manger at Bethlehem because we are in desperate need of a Savior. So when we see these things on the news and we hear about tragedy, and folks, even this, y'all know just this past week, we, our city is what, 200, 300 years old. We had an all-time murder rate already this year. More people have been killed in our city by homicide this year than the history of Lexington ever. Already 35 deaths. It could be more. I, that was just a few days ago. There is tragedy all around us. It could happen to any of us at any time. There is more urgency now to understand the fundamentals of how the, the, the power and the strength of God that despite bad things happening, we respond like Job. God, my life is in your hands. I don't hold the future. I don't know what's going to happen. But Lord, you do. And Lord, we trust you and we love you. Can you say that confidently? Is that how you treat the Lord? 
Some of you here are bitter and angry at God because your life or something didn't go as planned as you wanted it. And the Lord is, is showing us these examples here in Scripture of Mary, of Job, of Noah, of Moses. And not only that, think about Jonah. Jonah ran from God. A storm, just lo and behold, comes about, is about to destroy the boat, Jonah knew this is the result of my sin. He jumps, he's thrown overboard, and a big, great fish swallows him up. All of that was the Lord. The storm wasn't by accident. The great fish, the well, wasn't by accident. It was the Lord. Amidst our unforeseen circumstances, amidst our difficult days, folks, we trust Him. And I'm inviting you this morning to trust the Lord. Are you saved? If that tornado would hit you, if the car accident, if the heart attack, if the random bullet comes to you, are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to stand before the Lord? If you're just like Job's children, just a great day at your oldest brother's home, and then bam, a wind from the desert blows the house down. Everyone dies. You lose it all. I want you to know, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You need to do that now. It's not an accident that God has brought you here. Just like when all the angels appeared before God and Satan slipped in too and God right away knew you don't belong here. God has brought you here for the very purpose. Now he doesn't say you don't belong here. He's telling you this morning you need to belong here, and the way to belong here is to get saved. You need to get saved. He's pointing you out, saying you need to know the Lord. Jesus brings us here for a purpose. Nothing is by accident. The people you see, the people, the conversations you have, God puts people in your life during Christmas so you can point them to the baby that's born in a manger. That baby is our only hope amidst natural disaster and difficult dark days. And we live in them now. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And Brother Hurd and I are going to stand up for him. So glad he's back. And we're going to stand up here. And I want you, if God has brought you here, and you're that one person whom the Lord has brought to this place that you need to get saved. You need to belong here. Now's your time to respond to God. So let's bow our heads and pray. And then we're going to respond with it to our invitation. He's inviting us to Him. God, we know You use the examples of Mary. She and Joseph did not complain when they had to travel to Bethlehem. To a city, and all of a sudden, that night, the baby is born. God, I pray this morning, if we are here from unique and odd circumstances, Lord, we are dealing with tragedy, we're dealing with death, we're dealing with setback. God, you've brought us here with a purpose of making sure we know you. We are prepared eternally to stand in front of you. Jesus, this invitation, if there's anyone here, and there is, people who walk this aisle, take myself or Brother Hurd's hand, I pray they have the boldness and courage to respond to the gospel. Lord, we give you this invitation. We thank you for what you're doing, our wonderful church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. Brother Hurd, you'll come stand right here. I'll be standing down here in your songbook. We're going to sing a great hymn, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. 
hymn number 434 in your songbook. This is your opportunity to respond to God, make this your church home, come up here for prayer. So, Brother Heard, you come stand up here with me. We're waiting for you.